Hello and welcome to the um, Forever Sports Rugby Fan Forum, um, hosted every Thursday. Um, you are here with Riza, Rion, Chris and Wesley Hartman, who is our special guest for today. Um, welcome, boys, and uh, welcome back to another edition. Good to have you here. Good to be here, Riza. Yeah. How's it? How's it? How's it? Yeah, look, uh, not too bad. Huh? Looking forward to the return of the URC. Looking forward to... Um, so more rugby. I mean, we were just talking off stream about just how much has been going on, and we have a, a packed agenda for everyone today a bit of Curry Cup, a bit of URC. Of course, we'll touch on the Six Nations, which is the big talking point for today, um, and some, some interesting transfer news and uh, appointments within the world of rugby, which I'm really excited to get into. Um, to start us off, though, today, gents, I've got uh, the great honor of having a friend on the stream, um, Wesley Hartman, who is um yeah I'll, I'll tell you what i'll let you introduce yourself wes um tell us about your journey in rugby and and how you got here and then um, let's go from there yeah well, thanks reese yeah and how's it everyone um great to be on here so i mean yeah i went to school with reese i played high school school rugby for crawford um you know sort of almost cracked into a couple of the provincial sides you know got through to you know, a couple of the final rounds but yes it's, it's really tough eh, that, uh, to to sort of get that final final nod um but didn't let that deter so played all the way through to matric and then had the opportunity to go and study in the us uh, which was uh, phenomenal and end up playing some serious rugby over that side so i went across when was it 2012 so this was pre-mlr so um actually sort of you know at the end of my time there that was just sort of coming about and, and we'll get into that a bit later um, but ended up playing for a university called Kutztown University, um, sort of quite a well-known university in terms of rugby, um, but otherwise quite small in itself and kind of arbitrary spots in Pennsylvania, but really a lovely, lovely spot. Um, and it just yeah gave me an amazing opportunity to to play rugby abroad and also travel the States um, because the university was quite good at rugby. Uh, we had to travel quite far to play opponents, you know, that we weren't able to sort of just stick around in our area. So we got to travel up and down the East Coast quite extensively. Um, we did venture sort of central uh, US a couple of times. That was quite rough, a 17 hour bus ride to Arkansas to get our butts thoroughly kicked. Um, and the, the, the 17 hours felt longer on the way back. Oh, I don't know how, but uh, funny how times works like that. Um, and then a couple of times we went across the East Coast, which was just such a different experience. And it's really amazing there to see the culture um, in US rugby. So East Coast, you've got sort of very traditional kind of 15s mindset, um, maybe even a bit like European in a sense. And then you go out to the West Coast and because you've got the Islander influence, you've got the Samoans, you've got the Fijians, you've got the Hawaiians, the Tongans, sort of in greater numbers on the West Coast there, that sort of flair of rugby just sort of, you know, does really well there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fantastic to see. Uh, and then eventually got got selected for the All-American side, which is like the US equivalent of a junior box. So we toured with them down to Oz for three weeks, um, got the privilege of actually co-captaining that side, um, which was fantastic. And yeah, then came back to the US and, and had the opportunity to potentially sign a, a professional contract. Uh, nice. So did you ever get to raise Carl and Isle? <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, no, absolutely not. I was I was not not super quick, but not super slow. Um, but there was a guy, Danny Barrett, who played on on the USA Seven side. Um, you know, because he was their the sort of big strong man, um, like our Frankie Warren kind of guy. 
and uh, you know, I was I was maybe on pace with him. He wasn't slow. I was on pace with him, but you check him against Carlin, and he's just in the dust. So I use that as my marker. <laughs> Fantastic. A few people like, would mention you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I think he had to ask the question there, Rion. Um, so yeah. I'd like to start off with a fantastic brief introduction there from Wesley. Um, we've got two very cool clips of Wesley, which uh, our editor will put on now. Um, just showcasing a little bit of what he used to be able to do. Uh, I don't know if he can still do it, but I'll back him. Um, yeah, let's have, let's have a look. They got to be patient. Good job, Wesley. First one there, look at him carrying Zach Bonte down the field. Bonte, the workhorse for the Bruins, taken for a ride, a good five meters, and Kutz down now in control. Triggering the offense for Kutz down. It was 12 nothing Dartmouth. And puts down his answer back, staying on the feet. It's all about the desire. That's why Wesley Hartman's the captain of his team. He wills himself out of three tackles on the way to the go-ahead score for Kutztown, the senior from Johannesburg, South Africa. He's a great kid, Wesley Hartman. Talked yesterday about his battle with type 1 diabetes. He's insulin dependent, wants to be such a an example for all kids <laughs> yeah. out there with type 1 diabetes to say, look, look what I just did to Dartmouth. You <laughs> can too. Oh, wow. oh, very cool clip there coming through, and I would love to see it. Um, yeah, so just to get a bit onto, onto your personal story there, Wes, so we want to have a little bit of a chat about the level of rugby in the U.S., and obviously it was a, a little bit of time ago when you, when you mm -hmm. were there. Um, but in your opinion, would you say how far behind is the U.S. in terms of in terms of the international game and their perhaps grassroots sort of rugby? Yeah. Okay. So let's let's break that down. Those two parts there. If we go international first, and we need to split that further, I guess as well. You've got the 15s and the sevens, right? We all know that on any given day, on their day, you know, the U.S. seven side can compete, has does compete, and does beat world class teams. So. I think I think it's just about consistency now. Um, I think the seven side has uh, amazing athletes and there's a really good sort of um, program, sort of identification identification program there. Um, you know, if you want to argue which country has the best athletes in the world, I'll just point to the USA um, Olympic medal tally. You know, there's no doubting that they've got incredible sort of athletes. Um, it just it's, comes it's down to. System. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. It just comes down to sort of getting them in that rugby mindset. So the difference is, is that when you're playing against sides where, where rugby is embedded in the culture, you've got guys who see the game, you know, so much differently. So the seventh side, I think, is, is not that far behind. I think we'd actually say they're probably on par, um, generally, with a lot of the top performing sides. Again, consistency, you know, is a big thing. Looking at the 15s, though, that's, that's where the problems come in, because despite the athletes I've just spoken about, um, despite quite a bit of money that I think they have access to. Um, they just seem to not be able to kind of get any momentum um, and, and build on that. You know, I've had a couple of close friends in the system um, play for the Eagles. I was fortunate enough to actually watch him. Um, Miku, he's a South African who played for the US and he played against the box in the, um, was it the 20, what was it? The 2016 World Cup in England. Um, so that was phenomenal to see. Um, so, so having conversations with him and it just, 
I think like everything comes down to really nasty politics. Um, guys with not necessarily agendas, but ways of doing things. And so you have this discontinuity where you don't allow for anything to build. So I think if they could just get in a solid coach, I think, is it still Gary Gold? Is he still their head coach? Um, I could be sure. mistaken. He might be the director of rugby now or something. I'm not can't okay. remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so I think, you know, if they just give him a solid coach with a proven track record who knows the game um, and you just keep him there, come hell or high water, um, I think you allow that to build in that culture. In terms of grassroots trees, though, that's, that's where it comes to. Now, when I was there, as you mentioned, thanks for pointing out quite a while ago, um, it was the fastest growing sport for all years I was there. So for four years, rugby was the fastest growing sport in the US, uh, which was fantastic. Really, really great to see um, and great to hear. Uh, so you had these guys joining, getting involved, you know, but it's still got a mountain to climb. You know, that, that sport culture in the US is, I mean, we think we like our sport in South Africa and we do, don't get me wrong, but Yes, it's those oaks, eh? I mean, like, to the level of where you've got university football, they call it college football, you've got pretzels. You, imagine having UJ-styled, flavoured, coloured pretzels, or bits, <laughs> or UCT pretzels. Like, these oaks have food branded after the universities, like, for their, for their football. And I think when you're dealing with such, you know, an institution like that, you know, it's never going to rival those guys, but it doesn't need to, right? It doesn't need to be as big as that. I think they just need to somehow get on par with the with the world class teams to be able to perform because they can. All right. No, thanks. I think I actually saw the highest paid um, government officials in almost like ninety percent of the states in the US are college football coaches. So the money yeah. is there is insane. Yeah. yeah. No, there's a lot of money in it, and I think I think you're right. And I, I mean, we can we can speculate about the reasons why they aren't quite at the level that they are and maybe we're being a little too harsh and maybe it obviously takes some time this is still very new to them um you know and and so chris um if i could get a, your perspective on this um do, do we think honestly as south africans that the u.s will ever catch up and compete um on an international stage or are they always going to be let's call them the mono or the second tier team i don't know it's like like we're just saying i mean because they're so big, you would. I always thought that uh, with everyone that's there, that everyone that wants to play rugby, they should be able to put together really a few decent professional teams, right? Like you're saying, they should really start to compete. So I think it, with the right, if they have the right systems and structures in place, I think they can creep into the top ten in the world. I really believe that. I think uh, they certainly surely have more resources than the Italy's of the world and Fiji's and and Georgia's, you know, so they just apply themselves and this league, this, I love, I, I enjoyed watching the, the MRL now. I'm getting into it. It's still a nice betting league because the bookies haven't caught up to, to some of the teams. So I know I'm really enjoying it. And, and you say the sevens, I think suits their style for sure. But I think there, I would say there should be enough people in the pot there. But it's like you say, like we, we born and bred in rugby, right? Before we could even talk, we know what a rugby ball is, similar to them with their, with their American football. So when it's so ingrained in you, there is a little bit of a difference, difference there in, in how you're going to you know, approach the game and play it, you know? But yeah, I think with the right people, if they keep their league going, I don't know, I was actually going to ask, I don't know what the structures are like underneath the MRL teams. Do they have, do these teams have, I was actually going to ask, wait, do, they have, do they have second team, third teams? What is the level above these Premier League sides that are going at the moment? What does that look like there, the feeder feeder teams and so on? 
Yeah, I think uh, Wes would probably be best place to answer that. That's what I was asking, Wes. Yeah, yeah, I was asking Wes, what's how many how many pro, how many teams do these guys have? Yeah, like uh, in these clubs. Just um, quickly there, sorry guys. Yeah, I, Chris, I can't hear you. So if you saw my thumb there, I was trying to see if I was <laughs> setting my side. So. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 let me just pass on the let me just pass on the question. Sure. Um, Chris just basically wants to understand, uh, you know, but beneath the MRL teams, um, is there like a second tier, third tier structure? Is it? Um, a, a, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it goes basically college almost straight into the national structure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So what what we call university college there. Um, that pretty much feeds direct, well, it used to. So, so while I was there, the transition happened, right? So let's say my first or second year, um, you would go and go straight into a national side. Um, they've got obviously their top side and then they've got their second tier, which they call the Falcons, right? So what we call the box A, they call the Falcon right. side. And those are generally the younger guys who then they try blood and train up to play the, the US um, sort of first team. But in terms of there being, you know, so you've got MLR now, um, in terms of being under that, there's nothing really official. There's lots of clubs, you know, lots of club rugby, especially sevens. So right? seven club rugby is massive. Thank you. Um, but but in terms of a, a structure below that, and I think end of the day, it always comes down to money. Like again, I've got friends who've played in this league, and when it was starting out, unfortunately, they were quite badly burned because contracts were, well, not quite what they should have been. You know, I think guys were just so grateful to to start keep playing and get paid. Um, but hopefully now it seems that it's become a bit more professional. So I think as more eyes get on it, as they start bringing in more money, obviously it's how it works, right? There'll be more money to give the guys and hopefully that can make it sort of a more attractive um, option. Great. Thank you very much, Wes. Um, so we'll get back to Wesley a little bit later on in the show. Um, right now, we'd like to move into the, the big news of the weekend, boys. And obviously we're gonna we're not going to quite start on the most exciting game, but let's, let's have a chat about the Six Nations quickly. Um, and... Honestly, I've enjoyed it so much. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched Northern Hemisphere. Oh, it's been great. Got into it. And um, let's start off with the Italy-Scotland game. And Rion, a 26-14 result um, in favour of Scotland. Um, what do we think about this Italian side at the moment? Potential, I suppose. Um, potential and uh, then game management is my other issue with them. I actually saw an interview with uh, Sebastian Negri today. And he said they, they've decided that being the old Italy team that's game management and playing the right side of the field wasn't working. They were getting clapped by 50 points every game. So they've decided, nah, screw that. We're going to start running it from our 22, uh, Camelo High Water. And I suppose if you look at the numbers, that's helped for them this year. They've done better. Um, but I just feel they've gone a little bit too far in that direction. They're, they're kicking meters or not even half of some of the other teams and they just never exit. So I would love to see them just with all that running that they use, just get a little bit more game management and exit a little better and, and things might, might go even better than it has been. All right. I've, I've, I've got some views on that, um, but we'll, we'll get to it in a second, but let me, let me just pass it on over to Chris quickly. Do, do you feel yeah. that he was slightly unlucky? I mean, they were, they were 19, I think they were 19, 14 down. Um, at yeah. one point and really pressuring um, Scotland and, and a breakaway try from Scotland basically sealed it up. Um, so is it fair to call yeah. them unlucky or is this just another, well, another poor Italian side? <laughs> well, I think you guys have got to know me the last couple of weeks what my thoughts are on the Italian side, right? Like, like to be fair, 
the, the, you can see that they change in their style, right? And I think that's the right thing to do. They they weren't what what, what they were doing the last 20, 30 years as a professional team. They weren't breaking through. But like I say, for me, they're still limited in a, for them to do that. I, I, if they want to do that, they've got to keep doing this now and maybe accept that they're going to make mistakes and lose games like they've been doing. But for me, it's not even that that adventure, adventurous, that adventurous, what's the right word, adventurer of them, whatever, that, that style to play. If you watch, they, they can't, they, they don't exit the 22. They get themselves offside, Scotland yeah. camp on their line. I mean, it's, it's, it's basic. That's, that's not even like let's play rugby. It's just basic stuff. You know, it's basic shit. Mm-hmm. Stay yeah. behind the kicker. Don't go offside. Then they get to the 22 and some oak runs in front of the guy accidental offside, five meters out. And they do this. I've watched this for 20 years and it does my brain in. I don't enjoy I've never enjoyed watching them because of that, but I have to give them credit. They are trying something different. They are looking a bit different, but I, you know, they've got to start winning tier one internationals for me to really get my, I'm, I'm going to say respect, but they're 14th in the world for a reason, right? There's other teams that are not in the six nations and who are above them. And there's a reason and they, they're making improvements. Like I've heard this whole shift, you know, they, they, they're investing in it. They're going for it. You look in how Wales are struggling, Scotland are also struggling in the lower, in the under 20s. The Italian under 20 side arguably is actually better than those teams at the moment, possibly. So they could yeah, over time be a great. shift. Of, yeah, so so I'm going to try not be too cynical and negative and, and keep bashing them. I I will. I've heard this opinion, so I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them another five years. I'm going to give them to 2030, <laughs> and I want to. I want to see them not hit, think, no, not winning it. one. <laughs> I think that's an absolute joke, Chris. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, but, um, I, I, I honestly, 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 uh, let's 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 pause for a second, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be blatant in my opinion, and and you say they look different. Rion agrees they look different. They're trying something different. And are we not just talking about another wolf in a different sheep's clothing? Uh, they're the same thing over and over again at the core of it. A losing team, and um, and where's Frankly, I'll chuck this one over to you. I'm going to throw you a statue. Is in the last okay? Actually, I'm going to I'm going to ask you if you know the answer to this. In the last 42 Six Nations games, how many games do you think Italy has won? 42. I know. I don't know. Okay, let's get. Can I go to Rian, please? No, no. Just have a just have a go. What's your general? No, one hand, I mean, I want to be, I want to say, okay, how many have won? Um, realistically, it's maybe less than 10. Um, around there, let's go eight. Why not? Whoa. <laughs> Minus seven. Yeah, okay. Minus you had seven. It. You, had, you, had one, the, you had the answer. <laughs> one. One game in 42 yeah. of the last six nations. That's, That's my point. What's, what's, what's the purpose of having them in this competition? I, 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 I frankly think they need to earn their way back into it. Um, and they've become fodder for everyone else. And it's a bit of a joke at this point. Uh, that's, that's my I opinion. I, I agree. Okay. I haven't yeah. seen and, and, and Fair enough. Too. But I think my, my pushback might be um, you, you don't get better by playing worse teams. And arguably, the other five teams in the, in the competition are the best in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and so constantly being exposed to that, I think is, is, is good now. Yeah. Okay. There's definitely some sort of key 
thing that's not clicking. Why aren't they getting better? They, they've played how many? They've played how many you know years in the Six Nations? But I think relegating them to a, a secondary division where they're going to play competition that is maybe below them, and they're just going to breeze through that. I don't think that that builds them. I think there's something to be said to keep showing up week in, week out, year after year, I, knowing I, that you might be fodder. I, I would agree with you. Um, I will. I will end this discussion on on this Italy. Um, on this is we talk by by the simply thing is they can't be relegated they work on cheering they also deserve Stations a chance to face yeah but they, they deserve a chance to face other top nations who are mm. who, and get battered by somebody else um you know <laughs> let george let george get in there and get stuffed up yeah, by, I, you know. I i know some people don't like this relegation yeah, uh, I, yeah look absolutely maybe there should be some some sort of thing but i think you know just just sort of sidelining them uh, might might be premature. I think I hear what you're saying, Reza, but is it is it a, a sheep in another wolf's clothing or whatever the thing is, sheep in wolf's clothing? Um, but I don't know. I think there there seems to be, and maybe maybe it's the naivety in me, and maybe it's the hopeless romantic for rugby. But I'd like to believe there's something different here. I think you can like if you look at their captain, uh, they've obviously always had a stellar captain, but the new captain, he's just really inspiring and the guys are rallying around him and there seems to be something different and i'm not going to bet the mortgage or the house on it obviously mm -hmm. but um I, I hope that there is sort of a real change and that these close wins as you said were they just unlucky against scotland the breakaway try you know should bounce the ball or or you know is this is this going to be a consistent thing and unfortunately only time will tell yeah, imagine oh, yeah. forty games of the bowl bouncing the wrong way. Can, 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 can I just no, no, one? No, and that's and I hear you. But what I'm saying is, that in the past, absolutely, there's been something that's not been right. But I'm saying this season, so far from what we've seen, or at least last season and this year, it does seem to be more the ball bouncing the wrong way, as opposed to the Italians causing the ball to bounce the wrong way. If that makes sense. <laughs> um, I think uh, Rion, you was it Rion or Chris? Uh... Chris, I was just going to say last, I, I know it's not a popular opinion, but I still believe, I, I still think two tiers, three tiers in rugby, relegation, promotion battles would be nice to see. I think, I think Georgia, Romania, Spain, even Portugal should be given a chance because I think they can give Italy a game, probably beat them on their day. And if they deserve to go up and spend a year in the Six Nations, thrashing it out, they should do it. And I think, so the five nations tier one, five nations tier two, one team out, one team in, maybe every two years, one team in, one team out, something like that. I think yeah. that could be, and that to motivate, because like I said, it kind of feels like the new, like the, I don't know if you guys heard this, this new, some international South versus North thing come in and they're really still tossing these teams aside in that format. So what, what motivation is it for those guys then to like really push no. themselves right where Italy's just going to be put there but still get their asses handed to every single year like yeah so uh, uh, Chris uh, I hear you and um so thanks for that voice um so let's let's hear if you are listening to this on a podcast you listen to it live uh, please let us know in the comments for next week especially we'd love to hear from you guys whether you think that perhaps a relegation promotion model um is appropriate for the Six Nations um and it's do Italy deserve to be there is the next question so as we move on to the next game, gents, um, I'd like to talk again. I'd like to leave the big one for last, but um, Wales-France, 41-28. Uh, I'd still call it a drubbing, um, although the pundits in, in Wales would say improvement. And I'd go, well, 
I'm not really too sure. Um, I think that certainly uh, Wales showed a lot of um, a lot of effort, a lot of chutzpah to score some tries, and they looked a little bit better. And to be honest, with the caliber of player that they do have in that team, it's not unexpected that they would be doing slightly better. Um, but I'd like to talk a little bit more about France because we know about Wales' woes, we know about the internal struggles that they're having. Um, we've always talked about France as being a dark horse in a World Cup, and it's, it's very much like the Belgium situation in, in football. They've always always had this reputation, and often it's, it hasn't truly been backed up. But I think, personally, going into this year's World Cup, that they're a bit more than a dark horse. I think that they can solidly say, based on performances and not on reputation and voodoo and you know all this hype around them, always being the, the New Zealand in World Cups, that they are genuinely one of the favourites. Is is that fair to say? Um, let's chuck it back there to to Rian. Yeah, they are scary. Um, I think uh, basically. <laughs> Especially after that England game, it felt like there's no one in the world that could beat them. Um, if they are stay injury free, they stay well rested, uh, and they're playing in France. I mean, they don't really have to leave France any of those players for the rest of the year. They'll be playing everything at home now. The top 14 ends in June, so that's a massive gap between now and uh, June and, and September when it starts. So they should have a long, good rest and time to get ready. Um, they are for me. They should be the favourites, equal favourites with Ireland, because Ireland because they're so good. France because they're home. I think that's that for me is currently the rating. Um, okay. We can match them, but our discipline has been terrible. There's there's has been much better than us, and Ooh. I think that's where we've been doing a lot. Yeah, and um, Chris, uh, sorry, I always do this to you, and always chuck you in the deep end a little bit. <laughs> um, but are we are we seeing an improvement, perhaps in in um, on how the bookies are seeing France, or is it is it kind of still so, not so too it's sure? So even my front, yeah, it's, it's it's still neck and neck. You, if you shop around, you'll find France or Ireland of just over even money each. France, I think Ireland, Ireland after the six, they are just creeped in a little bit actually on some bookies. Um, but I I'll stick my neck out. I've been saying France for the last three years, and that doesn't change. Yes, they've had a little bit of an offish Six Nations, but you saw I always have said if this France team wants to win, they win. So yeah. they wanted to win against. They were not good against Ireland. Ireland were good. Dubious cause. I'm going to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> Wales was Wales was interesting. I just think they were just playing like a park game. They well they just like kind of when they went again when they wanted to go and put the ball under the poles, off they went and they did it. Um, I, like, and I agree with Rian. I think also just at home, that French fans, it, it's, a, it's a 16th man for them. They, they're a different beast at home. They've been planning for this for years. Like I, 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 I stick my neck out here. Ireland have been great. Nothing against Ireland. But even, even against England, the, the first 60 minutes, they were nervous and they were, they, they were not sure they were going to win that game. Now, if that was a proper switched on France or Bok team, would have Ireland maybe even won that? So I'm still thinking you're going to get to a quarterfinal. I don't know where it's going to be played. It's Parc de France or Marseille. I still will put my neck out and say France will beat Ireland in the quarterfinal. And that's that's going to be my call right wow. until that quarterfinal. Listen, um, we had, we had I our... I think it's possible. I think it's possible. <laughs> as long as Paris isn't on fire from strikes, there should be... Yeah. <laughs> so look, look, we, had, um, we had some abuse last week for, for apparently Ireland bashing. And, and so, Chris, I... I oh, did we? I, yeah, I've yeah, done it again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I pray. I, I pray. I pray for your soul, and I hope yeah. that you. Um, thanks no, for the. I, 
And I need to no, this this this, uh, this island side is amazing. They've proven it, but I still don't think everyone got on like everyone got on that Italy train that's left the station. Everyone's on this island train. I'm just saying they're not they're not unbeatable, and yeah. they got to still they're still gonna go win that World Cup. But even though it, it all you know when like when England won it in 2003, it's got that feeling like New Zealand in 20 maybe the last two World Cups just feels like it is going towards Ireland's way. But I think man and on paper, all things even, bounce of the ball even, ref decisions even, France are the are the favourites. Yeah, um, I mean favourites to to win the third place playoff because obviously it's, <laughs> it's fair team, right? Of course, but uh, at least France makes finals. That's the one thing they do. They've played in. Yeah, that's a, that's. I mean, 2011 lost to Tonga and we're one point away. Well, let's face it: if Japan put his hand up there in that last five minutes, it was overs could overs for for New Zealand, wasn't it? All right, um, so boys, again, I don't want to get too deep into Wales. We've got a lot to cover today. Um, they're horrible. They're woeful. We move, okay? Um, so, <laughs> hey, man. And, and they're going to make the semi-final, but I didn't say that. So. Oh, oh, okay. All right, okay. You heard it there first from Chris. Yeah, you heard um, it, yeah, yeah. Wes, um, if, I could, if I could let you start off on, on the big one here. The big boy, the St. Paddy's weekend, the Grand Slam of the cards, um, Paddy's, eh? Paddy with a D. Don't get it wrong. People <laughs> you <laughs> My apologies. Um, and, and some serious history um, on the cards for Ireland. So it was a 29-16 win in, in favour of Ireland. And I'm sure the, the boys have been partying hard, if you've seen on social media. Um, Ireland are deserved winners. Would you just straight up, would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I think I think... Short answer, yes. You know, they definitely looked like one of the most consistent teams, definitely more consistent than England. Um, you know, but it's always been between them and France. It looked like the season. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic to see. You know, I think I'm, I'm really excited to get your guys' take on, um, obviously, the Stewart's card. And I'm sure we'll get into that yeah. because I'd love to hear your thoughts and there's been lots on it. <laughs> but I definitely think, yeah, Ireland looking like they are firing on all cylinders and by all means they must go out and party and drink lots drink lots of guinness and just you know don't don't slow down get a little yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 i've yeah. seen i've seen his videos as well so keep time, going boys. boys keep going keep yeah. going <laughs> i think i saw they showed up to um i can't remember which it's ring roses house ring roses yes, house. Yeah. his parents yeah. house yeah yeah on day four because he refused to come out on the on the fourth day and, and keep joining yeah. uh, and good on them well done to the irish and then we we applaud them one for winning congratulations uh, for me well deserved and uh, for the high island haters last week who didn't like that we, we thought that they weren't going to win the world cup um well here you go a little bit of praise for them um and so we headed to some some really cool stats uh, a fourth grand slam um, for the Irish across both five and six nations, which is an incredible feat, by the way. It's not easy, even though you've got Italy in there. Um, and more importantly, boys, um, it's it's what a time to peak, right? You, you've got a World Cup here. Wow, the dreaded P word. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, the, the peak is is just outrageous. And to be honest, barring let's call it New Zealand if, yeah, on, a, on a couple of occasions. Generally, the team that's really at their peak uh, in World Cup year doesn't actually uh, meet expectations. But we're not putting that video on them. Please don't hate us in the comments. Um, we are just saying this is generally a fact. Um, Rion, what do we think? Eh? Well, Johnny Sexton, I mean, he's, he, he is, what is his last Six Nations game? 
he gets a he gets we a think. grand slam. We, we don't think, know. We think we think I'm I'm assuming fair enough, but the the grey on his head is telling me something else. Um, he becomes an all-time leading Six Nations point scorer and, and a dream send-off for him. Where do we rate Johnny Sexton in one in Irish folklore, rugby folklore, and on in all-time? I'd say probably on the level, I've, they've all rated uh, Brian O'Driscoll as the best ever. He must be level with him at least now. I think if if they get that big Web Ellis trophy at the end of the year, um, it will be... Um, Johnny Sexton, best ever Irish player. Right now, he for me, he must be on the same level as Brian O'Driscoll, just for the things he've done, he's done. He's basically a coach on the field. He's as old as I am, and he's taking those shots. So um, no, you can't you can't not write, rate a man like that. Yeah. I I uh, stub my toe and I need to sit down for three hours. And this guy is getting tackled <laughs> by Orange and Olivon and those guys, and getting yeah. up and going again. No, yeah. you, you have to rate Johnny. He's one of the best. Not just for Ireland, best ever um, to play the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, um, we seem to have temporarily lost Wesley, but I'm sure we'll get him back now in a second. But um, Chris, if I if I could just also just throw it back to you. Um, well, I think Rian more answered about um, the ability of of Johnny within the Irish side. Um, and yeah. it, um, but what is your opinion of Johnny on a global scale? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's. He's cemented himself there. He's up there now. He's top top five, top six, probably of greatest to probably have played the game. Um, especially the, he's been in a few good Irish sides, brilliant Irish sides. Totally their tennis man. I'll, I'll be honest, I was one of, wasn't a fan in the beginning. His antics on the Took field, me a while as well. and Farrell. Yeah. Yo, he was a little yeah. brat on the field. He used to drive me insane. <laughs> No, but on but honestly, he's got all my respect now. I was watching him on the weekend. Like, yeah, that's 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 great. That's he, yeah, he's he's up there. He you can put him top top five fly off definitely of all time. Probably, I mean, I love Bod. Bod was still when I was growing up. He was the, the man. Um, but you got to probably say overall now what what Sexton has achieved and his influence in that achievement. You got to put him as probably their greatest now. Yeah, and um, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think that. Something that I really enjoy about Johnny, and um, in general, is his ability to take what I would, I would call a, a traditional game, um, and to elevate it through all of his years of experience. And he reminds me very much, in my opinion, of like a Mornay Stain um, type vibe. You know, he's just clinical and in, in, in the basics, and he, he does everything well. Um, perhaps not the exceptional and without the flair so much, mm. but yeah. I mean that's that that was your job, right? That's what you were signed up to do. You do it well, and it wins you games, and, and it's it's such a it's such a poignant thing um, in all sports, by the way, in my opinion, um, to see the the traditionalists coming out on top in an age where innovation is lauded and and really shine gets the viral. I, 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 I don't know if you saw the rugby, the good, the bad rugby pod. He was on there with Haskell and and come remember name here, hosts it, but they were making fun of because he's not. If you look at him physically, he like he made, they even joked he doesn't have shoulders. They like they yeah. called him tomato sauce bottle. But the thing is, like he said, and he made a comment that he actually in the gym he was actually stronger than a lot of people. I think he's just one of those guys. Even though he doesn't look like a Ma Nanu or you know, specimen of Carter. He, I think he's one of those guys that got core, core strength and a strong mind. And that's why he influences the game and has influenced the game the way he has. And there's yeah. a lot to say for that. Yeah, and um, Wes, I know you, you're begging to, to get in on this. Let me just first check, are you able to hear me, Wes? 
No, we're not recording yeah. <laughs> now you're muted, Wiz. <laughs> Wait, we can't. Well, Wiz, if, if you can hear us, you're having a bit of audio issues and we'll get our technical uh, team. I could read his lips and he was calling Johnny shit. He was saying, no, this guy. <laughs> word for word is exactly what he said. Um, uh, <laughs> audio, audio man, go sort that out, please, with, uh, with Wiz. And in the meantime, um, Chris, what, what, I'll, what I'll also check back to you is um, the effect of Andy Farrell on this on this side. Oh, geez, Wiz. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's appropriate for YouTube, but uh, you know. We'll <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, Chris. Uh, like I said, Andy Farrell's influence on this Irish yeah. movie, um, really cool. And, and I mean, I wonder if uh, Owen sent him a, a little a little message to say congratulations. I'm not sure if. Uh, no, for sure he did. No, I, I must say I'm, I'm surprised because Ireland were progressing. Was it was it Schmidt that was the last coach before Farrell, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, right? Yeah. They were there. We know they started to beat the All Blacks. They had a grandstand under him. They were doing well. I I wasn't sure. I didn't I didn't know if that was going to be their peak. You know, we're going to get. You know, they're going to be. A, they're still going to be strong, but didn't did not see what's happened in the last three years. No, and. I, I don't know about you guys. I, I really love list. I, I love to listen to the way people talk and players and peers and when people talk about certain people and Farrell's one of those that has that respect that you can tell. Um, and that's and that's great. I didn't expect it, uh, but it's, it's really it's really good for them. And looks like they that, and, and that's besides I think France probably have it as well because they've had this cohesion. We've had the cohesion the last four years and so have they. And that's why books us as France and Ireland are for me the, the favorites at this point New Zealand will obviously be there but just because we've got we've, we've got the same core the same culture and it's there and it's ingrained and I think I, I didn't expect him to bring it to the party but he has <laughs> fantastic yeah thank you for that um now um as soon as we get Wes back we, we're going to get his opinion on this because I'm sure he's got views but um Rion Yucky mm. Paper what the yeah. actual oh. what the actual bleep i mean <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get to i'll get to his is obviously the red card for Stewart in a second but generally speaking throughout that game there were a lot of very dodgy calls going on out there and um i mean look everyone has an off day uh the english will say it's because he's south african and i will say you know well done to yaku i hope he got paid very well um yeah but uh, yeah, let's let's have a chat, Rion. What, what do we think about Yaku's performance in general? We'll get onto the specifics of the record in a second. I don't know. Eh? Um, it's hard to 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 know. Every time he has a big game, when it's whenever it's like Italy, Scotland, or something, he seems fine. But as soon as the game gets massive, the the um, spotlight's much brighter. The the microscopes come out, and then everyone just sees mistakes. Um, I don't think the red card would have made a difference. Maybe they would have won by nine instead of four, 13 points or whatever it was. But um, I don't know. It's just every time Paper plays, especially when he's playing against uh, England or something, it seems like he makes mistakes. It could be because the the accent just doesn't make him make him sound smart. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I usually don't. <laughs> so I usually don't try to to look at refs i try and see them as this the invisible thing on the field and so i never focus on them i definitely don't like to rate refs it's talking about the wrong thing of, of rugby but people just they're angry whenever a game gets close the ref gets under a microscope that's just the way rugby works yeah no i i mean 
hundred percent. And uh, as Wes joins us back there, um, Wes, let us know if you can if you want to say something so we can know if you if you're back. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, yeah Reese, can, yeah. can you hear me? Well, yes, yeah, so we can hear you. Fantastic. So, so, are you? Can I? Sorry, Chris, can you say something? So, are you back? Yeah, can you, can you can you hear me? No, can you hear me? I still can't hear Chris. Okay. Oh. That's fine. We'll pass along. Chris was um, relatively, you know, is, uh, you don't have to worry about Chris. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Anyway, yeah. No, <laughs> <What's> <laughs> the sign language. <laughs> Chris. Um, but Wes, <laughs> we were just having a chat, and we were just talking about Yaku Paper's performance. Um, and I know you had some feelings about that red card. So, would you like to perhaps explain for maybe the viewers who didn't or listeners who didn't get a chance to actually see it? What's happened? Um, did it deserve a red card? Um, and is Yaku Paper on the payroll? Okay, for those of us who, who didn't um, get a chance to perhaps see it, um, or for those of you rather, what we had was um, an Irish player sort of coming up to collect a, a loose ball off the ground. Um, sort of as he was picking it up, we had Freddie Stewart, the, uh, the England fullback, coming in at quite a pace to initially it looked like he was caught between either wanting to go for the ball himself um, or sort of flatten the oak and then at the last sort of minute he kind of it felt a bit awkward and so he tried to pull out of everything and in doing so sort of not even dropped his shoulder just tried to turn and the Irish player's head hit straight into his elbow um, from my viewpoint and opinion, because this is all it's going to be, right? Because uh, unfortunately, none of us can look at it, you know, with completely factual eyes or unbiased opinion. But there was there was no mal uh, malicious intent. Um, I do believe he was trying to pull out and and it got himself into a bad situation. People might argue, actually, you know, he should never have gotten into that situation in the first place. Um, and so that's maybe where it comes from. But if I I really don't like the use of slow mo because things don't happen in slow-mo. Guys don't have that amount of time that we are watching it in. Oh, he could have done. It doesn't happen that way. It was literally in the blink of an eye and it was all over. Um, and so I do think it has to, when you're reviewing situations like that, I think real time is the only way, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to watch it um, because that allows you to sort of look at, you know, get an understanding of what the player, the speed the player was seeing it at. And even then it's not a, 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 a true comparison because we've got this, sort of bird eye view of all the perfect space. Whereas if you think about it from that Oaks perspective with adrenaline running, but yeah, anyway, so from my perspective, I don't think a red card, I think if you were going to go by the letter of the law, it, it, trying to stick to it, at least, I think direct contact with the head, I think yellow card, just if you want to tick the boxes, but I, I, yeah, I, I do think it was quite harsh. So let me, let me, let me just play devil's advocate for, for a second here. Um, Cause someone needs to be in paper's corner a little bit. Um, <laughs> We've got we've got a situation where, and I'll use Chesney Colby as an example, a, a guy who's on a couple of occasions been caught mistiming runs where he's going for high balls, and as a result, he's kind of pulled away, and he's like, oh no, and you can see he's not actually trying to tackle a guy, but he hits him with the shoulder, the oak goes flying over, like basically effectively cracks his neck, right? Um, and he's been sent off on a number of occasions for it, and rightly so. Now. I know this is a different situation, but the laws are very similar, right? Um, in that you can't put yourself in a reckless situation. Now, if you miss time a run, that's on you. And if you put yourself in a position where you're actually about to injure somebody because of your missed time run, regardless of whether you're following through with it or not, is it still not your fault? 
Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I think if, if that, that's the way we're going to go about things, then rugby might as well just stop. Yeah, I'm exactly. not, I've seen like I've seen all the reactions on Twitter, right? This is the death of rugby, and thanks world rugby <laughs> for killing our sport. And look, let's not get that dramatic. But I mean, Reese, you know, you you played also for a number of years and stuff, and and the decisions you've got to make on the field, the number of decisions and the speeds of the decisions you've got to make, and these guys are the, the top. They are the top performers around the world, and if they are making these decisions, they're more often than not not bad decisions. Um, so I do think there are times when, yeah, a truly terrible decision is made. The Oak's gone for the wrong call, um, maybe maliciously, maybe not, and it deserves to be punished. But I think in this case, it's something completely different. Okay, so yeah. I th- obviously I think there's a big dis- a big distinction there between you know intent and obviously we've we've all played this game we we all know what it's like to be in the situation. It doesn't mean though that that protocols can't be put in place to ensure that as little of those situations happen. Um, but yeah, uh, Chris Rione, do so, you, you have thoughts? Yeah, on that? Chris, yeah, yeah? Um, yeah, I think we all yeah I, we, I think we all agree. Yeah, like I said, we've all played rugby, right? And I, I let's I think we I think we've all I think I've done that so players hit me and I think my I've copped one in the exact same situation we both got up and okay unfortunately this player was injured to that tape but that happens that is rugby like I think even like you say even even for contesting for the ball I think if if you make the decision to contest for the ball that's your decision like why is it someone else's prerogative to look after you if you both have the same intention I don't I think that's rugby it's always been rugby um, and so, but when it comes to the ref, and I think this is not a sentiment. This is not yucca paper. This is this, this is where rugby is. We've got far too many refs involved. We've got far too many laws. Far too many laws that are open up to interpretation. Ironically, we've got a protocol for a red card that leads to this decision. And I think, like we're saying, there's this. I think Super Rugby are trying, obviously, that protocol. If you get a yellow, it can be upgraded to a red. I think I don't know if it's the other way around. But it if we're gonna have a hard, yeah, we're gonna have a hard checklist, and you can see, you, you look, guys, you can even see Yucca Paper didn't want to give the red. If you actually watch him, he was like, oh, "Gosh, I've got to give, I've gone through this checklist, and I've got to send you <laughs> off." Um, yeah. But, but I think for me, this checklist has to also have some kind of common sense. It must be just the little common sense section. Yes, where so, 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 correct. <laughs> so I think if, they, so I think, so I think that even if he got to the red in his protocol. I still think there should be a 20-minute window where people take a breath, take a step back, and even that red card can be reduced to a yellow or something like that because it did, the, the game didn't need – it doesn't need – I'm going to put my neck out here. We're going to see something like that in the World Cup semi-final or final. I'm telling you right now, a decision like I that's going to be made. I think behind the closed doors, they're going to tell refs, don't give a red card in the playoffs. Even if it looks yeah. bad, do anything to mitigate it. Do but, not give a red card. But, 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 but we can't. We can't have that. That's you know you, no. we can't. No, like no one. It's it is. We love this game, but it is it is becoming a hard watch. And I feel I do feel for the refs, but refs have got it hard. But you just see it's I don't know. Just see some weird decisions. No, thanks, boys. And I, I'd like to just touch on, on, on something that's been bothering me for a while. I know it's been played with is the um, the temporary red card, right? The the effect of if you do get a straight red it's or, or a red in general, um, it's the 10 minutes off um, and then a replacement by another player. I think that's a great model. 20 to work minutes, with. yeah. It, it doesn't destroy It doesn't destroy the game. Yeah, the I agree. And to be honest, I know I know we said that Ireland probably would have got away with this win, but um, 
as a product for the game, it felt like England were always battling up here. Um, and I don't I like a 20 minute red card, eh? I do not enjoy it. I think <laughs> the right. idea of the red card is you have to feel like you've let your team down. That's one of the um, uses of the red card. You must feel guilty that you let your team down. It's <laughs> one of the parts of the red I, card. I, I, what they need to do is they also need to find that player. In hockey, there used to be brawls all over the field, all <laughs> over the ice. And then they started finding people, NRL as well, they find their match fees. Then all of a sudden, that stuff went down a lot. People were more careful, they were bending over in tackles, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, right. I, okay, no, um, no. Rihanna, we're, we're such idiots over here. Honestly, the, the, the correct approach was just deck the oak. I mean, let the, <laughs> let the people get involved. Come on in, give him a sniff around, and let him play on. I, I'm, I made a ridiculous suggestion. I got nailed for it. I said, if it's a yellow card, minus six points. If it's a red, minus 12 points. Negative mark him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I got thrown under. So all right, that's, all right. That's obviously not going to work. Cause, yeah, but I, no, the, well, the, forever, the Forever Sports <laughs> Fan Forum is now boiling down to conspiracy <laughs> theories. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but thanks, guys. I, I, do, I do appreciate that. That's... Some really good input there. Um, but I think let's boil this down very simply now. Uh, Ireland deserve winners, um, certainly in my point of view. I'm convinced, to be very honest with you, I I hate to say it. I don't think I've ever said it before. I think that they are the front runners for this World Cup. Um, I don't want to see it. But, yeah, that's my opinion. And, and we'll see We'll see what happens. And I, you know. So um, I, wanted to, I, was trying to, I was trying to look for odds for you, sorry, from the betting angle. The odds at the moment aren't up, actually. I wanted to sort of set that for me, there's value in on that side of the draw for Australia final, Wales semi final. I think you can get good odds if you're a betting man. If you can find above three, two, two to one there, those are some good some good value bets who call anyone's should you, should you put money down before Eddie's first game or after Eddie's first game? No, before. Game. <laughs> You've got to do it before. That's what I say. When you see it, when you see Australia for the final, you, I'm trying to work. Just to use my experience, what you could find, you could could get close to <laughs> close to ten. It could be, it will be a good price. It will be a good mm. price, and it will be a, a decent bet. It'll be a runner, definitely Australia mm. to make the final. Right. Well, you hear the first. Now, to to touch boys, uh, bring a close on on our Six Nations coverage, and uh, of course, we'll be back next year um, for that. Um, let's talk about uh, one very interesting piece of news that came out. Um, during this week, uh, the appointment of Scott Robertson to coach New Zealand in 2024. Um, Wiz, over, boys. I don't know if you saw the news. Like this, um, <laughs> I, I, I think there's, I think there's not quite just yet. Eh? I think um, Scott Robertson is obviously. I'm, I'm a Lions fan. I've got trauma against yeah, that man. <laughs> he hurt us a few times, but um, Scott Robertson, a serial winner with the Crusaders. Um, I think it's six. I'm, I'm not sure. I could be wrong on that. Um, I think it's six uh, Super Rugby titles, um, and sh I'm sure he will probably add to that this season as well. Um, but he takes over in 2024 after the World Cup. Um, our incumbent, Ian Foster, is obviously not very happy with the situation, and he's expressed some very public outrage at this entire decision-making regarding his replacement has taken place before the World Cup. Um, but they've gone ahead and done it anyway. Is this a side that New Zealand have effectively written, not only written off Ian Foster, which obviously they have by replacing him, but written off their chances in the World Cup by saying, we don't really care how disruptive this is to our team? No, I, I think if you've got no, I, I think, you know, in a country like New Zealand where rugby is 
you know, as big as a religion, if not bigger, I think they they would never write off any kind of World Cup, right? That is their that is their pilgrimage every four years, and so I think any opportunity to win one they would want to, you know, I think there's potentially lots of reasons why they might have done such a disruptive move, um, but I still think that they they will want to win this just as badly as any other team, and if not even more so because of all this now. And I think if anyone's writing off the All Blacks. Well, then that person's an idiot, but uh, yeah. yeah, we'll have to see. I agree. 100%. Okay, well, let, let me, let me, it seems, it seems all three of you are in agreement with this, but let me throw some, some interesting facts <laughs> in your way. Um, Scott Robinson has never coached overseas. I think that's a pretty well-known one. An interesting one is that the two most successful coaches in New Zealand history are Steve Hansen and Graham Henry, both had international experience, or I should say rather overseas experience coaching before they took on the job. The other one is that he has never coached at an international level. So are we saying that the Super Rugby is enough to transcend into the arena of the biggest, let's call it, let's be honest, the biggest job in in rugby? We did Aussie coach. He was an assistant of the All Blacks, eh? Yeah, so he did coach before. Yeah, he, he came through the ranks, yeah, with the assistants. Yeah, Hanson was Wales, wasn't it? And yeah, and Henry as well. Graham and Henry, Henry. both of them were Wales, right? Terrible yeah. records. They were shit. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless of the record, yeah. But, yeah, but, no, but I, I, no, I agree. I agree with you. This is a this is also another hype train. But look, he's a winner. You so this. I don't think anyone disagrees with that but i i'm sensing because i try to also get all the news as well get all the sources and it's i think there are a few new zealanders that have the same thought because i think jamie joseph probably was you know has the experience i mean you know he has he has won super rugby's now japan and he is a bit older so i think some people are thinking and i'm starting to think well this is a perfect time for jamie joseph to come do a world cup cycle and let robinson go to england or wales and then robinson will be then be perfect for the next world cup cycle that's how i probably would have played it out but i think because crusaders are it's, again several winners you, you just see the way they play they feel like they're more a new zealand vibe you know so i think everyone's excited to just see the all blacks play back to that that style that we all can't live with, you know, and I think they're thinking that Scott Robinson will definitely bring that to the table, but it will be interesting. I think, I think he'll be fine. I think, I think he'll have the players on his side um, and he'll have the right coaching staff and he'll, and they'll, they'll, they'll be New Zealand. They'll be top two in the world forever. All right. As long as we know. (laughs) Interesting. Um, We'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, I guess time will tell. I I know he's got the backing of um, one of obviously the biggest name in as eighth man, Kieran Reed, um, very publicly backed him, um, and probably rightly so. But uh, yeah, as I said, we've got a lot to get through. I would talk about the, the New Zealand politics for, for quite some time, but let's quickly touch on the Curry Cup. Um, I'd love to run through, Rian, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, let's, you would you like me to run you through quickly our our results? Our results, because the results have been terrible. <laughs> So let's let's start with this. Let's start with this um, this Pumas Golden Lions game. I'm not overly shocked. A 34-27 uh, game in favor of the Pumas. Again, I'm not really sure how many people are watching this. We don't seem to get too much engagement, um, you know, from on when on these points on Curry Cup games, um, which to me is already indicative that the news sort of maybe people are hearing for for the first time when we bring it up. Um, that seems to be my general impression, but. 34-27 results in favor of the Pumas. Unexpected, not really. 
Not really. Um, Mr. Stone now says his guy's buzzing then uh, Malacheni as they call it now. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they're playing like champions. They, they're carrying on with that momentum they had last year. And it feels like the Lions are still playing an under-21 squad in the Curry Cup. Yeah. We just do not have the layers of teams that some of the other clubs have in the country. So, um, and I've also heard in the back rooms, we, we all know it's a bit of a clown show that the junior level coaches and the senior coaches are almost never around the same table. Um, there's interference from the CEO and stuff. So right. it is a bit of a, a weird one right now in Joburg. Yep. So I'm, I'm not surprised the Pumas beat yeah, them. I, I mean, I mean, they, they go. beat the Bulls as well. Yeah, look, when, you, when your coach is coming out, um, Alliance coach, and of course he's coming out and saying that, yeah, the, the backroom politics definitely is playing um, mm. a part in it. So that's, that's definitely of concern. Um, Chris, um, Chris, and then I'll track it over to Wes as well. I'd like to just chat about the, the Western Province game um, against a, so effectively, if, Wes, if you didn't know as well, um, Blue Bulls obviously had a, a number of players available to them and, and stacked it with a, what is a relatively strong side, um, although they seem to still somehow be managing to lose with it. Um, Western Province took another approach. They've got a huge game in the URC coming up against Leinster um, at the top of the URC. And so that John Dobson decided to uh, field a second string side um, against a strong ball side and obviously expecting, or maybe not expecting, but at least wouldn't be shocked by taking an L. Um, against them, Chris. Yeah. I mean, uh, as as a as someone who wouldn't be expected, what 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 happened? There? As a as a province man, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be honest. I did call a bull. I didn't pants it to you guys, thankfully. But I thought the, I thought the bull should surely at home at Loftus uh, take that win. Mm. But I think it's a sign of the time, eh, guys. I think let's face it, Western Province Union Stormers is the strongest union in the country. The culture's filtering through all the sides, and you can see that. It's, it's yeah. playing out on the field. So I think a lot of people, even in my group, panting group, a lot of it took up people, a lot of people to trust the Stormers as did I, because two years ago, even in the COVID time, Stormers weren't strong. Uh, we, were leaking, mm -hmm. we weren't defending well, but this is an unregulated, you know, Dobson was the worst thing since sliced bread, or <laughs> the now is the best thing since sliced bread, but he, yeah. he was criticized. Um, it's just a big turnaround. And yeah, so it's filtered through the union and then the, Province and Stormers right now, I always say, are just very, very difficult to beat. Leinster will struggle to beat them tomorrow. They might not, Stormers might not win, but at the moment, it's it's the strongest union in the country. So I think we just got to keep that in mind. 100%. And uh, Wes, does, Wes, does that come as a shock to you to to know that Province not only, um, I would call grassroots, but it's not really, of course, they've got this second string um, Province slash Stormers team. Um, is beating what is a very strong Bulls team. Um, I believe Simulani did start, eh? uh, Corsi and, and all the all the Boykies, I think, were, were pretty much involved there. Um, you know, is, it, is it a shock to learn that out of the depths of liquidation, um, Province have somehow, somehow risen to the top of the game? Uh, not entirely. I think maybe surface level, but I think you've got, again, that second string side those Oaks will see that as their opportunity to just give it absolutely everything. Um, they've got nothing to lose, right? So again, being the side expected to lose the underdogs, we know that tale, but those individual players, this is their chance to do something. And I mean, fantastic for them. They, they took it by the horns, well, literally the bulls and, 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 you know, <laughs> took the game to them and, and, and won. So, 
I think, yeah, you know, if you haven't played sports, maybe, you know, given the facts, it might be shocking. But if you've played sports, um, I think you could understand why why they were able to pull out that win. 100%. But, but all, but, the guy in charge of, of the union off to Sari now, Rian Oberholzer, he was the administrator in charge of, of Western Province Union now. I think he's leaving. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. So enjoy it while you can, boys. <laughs> well, you can. I think I think also this is another another pattern of you know the the, the two year itch of Jack White, right? Two three after two three years, things kind of start the to bang, and, mm. and then he's, things start to unravel, you know. And Ooh, maybe man. and also what I've noticed with the Bulls, I mean, you never see the same Bulls team. Like there's always seven changes every single week. How can you get any mm. momentum? Guys probably don't know where they stand with Jake or where they stand in that squad system, and it's just as you can see, they just can't they can't put a cohesive, solid performance together at the moment. Okay, so so big news coming out of Forever Sports. Jake White's still a do us. Um, <laughs> so, but also, but but also, also Dob, if you listen to Dobbo, he talks about the players. He says these guys they're one for all, all for one mentality. These, if you listen to these things that come out of camps. They matter, you know, and at the moment, the Stormers are that. They're, they're, one, they're one team, one dream, and they've got each other's backs. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think, um, obviously, they've backed John Dobson, and he's, he's returning the favour here. So, to run through just the remainder of the games that happened, a 52-12 win um, for the Cheetahs over the Griffins. Um, nothing unexpected there. Again, obviously, Griffins struggling to find their feet um, moving up to the Curry Cup, and, and of course, I, I won't read too much into it. Um, it could have been a lot worse, I suppose. Um, and the, the Cheetahs, yeah, look, everyone expects to drop the Griffins, and we won't read into too much into that result, I feel. Um, and then obviously the Griquas with a 48-40 win over the Sharks. Um, what a game, first of all. Um, an incredible match. And yeah, again, still a shock result. I mean, it's, although it's a weakened Sharks team, um, you know, we probably were expecting them to come out with a with a dub here, um, and yeah, well, well done to the Griquas, and I'm, I'm really glad to see them coming onwards and upwards. Uh, are we any anything from your guys' side? Are we are we, are we totally bamboozled by this, or is it just yeah, okay? Well, it's it's it was an up in the air kind of game. No, they were finalists last year, the Griquas. You'd think they still also be good this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. sure. And as, I mean, we, we say that I know you, we say that, but let's be honest. There's there's always these big talk from the from yeah. unions and about how much mm -hmm. investment they've got and the improvements that they've made and so on. And so you expect them to go. Well, next year they're going to come out and absolutely stuff these works, and uh, it just hasn't happened. No, I think I think the smaller guys. The sorry, Chris. The the guys no, no. like the Bulls, and I think the Bulls, the Sharks, and the Lions have young, young, young coaches as well now where the Griquas and, and Pumas have two coaches who've been doing it for years and years and years. So there is a there is a thing of, of cohesion there, like we, we all keep mentioning. I don't think they've lost too many players, either of those sides either. Maybe winning the Curry Cup gives you a couple hundred rand to keep some players in your in your team. And that's, <laughs> that's just helped them carry on with their momentum this year. Yeah, I just wanted one or two pounds there. Um, yeah, all right, so... So then, uh, I just want to quickly have a have a little look here, and let's let's just have a look. I had a chair before me. Now I wanted to have a 
get towards our fixtures coming up from this weekend, but I seem to have, oh, there we go. Okay, so coming up from this weekend, we've got the Golden Lions versus the Griffins. I don't think anyone will disagree with me when I say that the, the Golden Lions should comfortably win that. Um, I'd probably say about, let's call it 20, 20 points. Uh, 20 that's, points more. that's what the bookies have, so you're about spot on. Ah, yeah. oh, for once, good to know. Um, yeah. uh, we got the cheaters against the Bulls. Um, I'm not too sure about this. I'm actually going to go with the cheaters on this one. Uh, yo, Wiz, any any views on that? Cheaters, Bulls? Uh, no, I mean, it sounded like the cheaters had a good a good showing last week. Again, the Bulls, it, it supposedly that shock defeat, so they'll have something to prove now. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, yeah I'll be able to call it either way, except it'll be hopefully some great rugby. Now, let me, let, me, let me just remind you, though, that that Bulls team, um, all of the big names that they flooded last weekend um, are obviously now not available to them or playing in the URC once again. So, I, yeah, I, I think that, that Cheetah side will be relatively unchanged. But then, okay, I think the yeah, so then you've got an informed cheetah side. But again, you could now then go with the Stormers approach of, of that sort of backs against the wall, nothing to prove or, or everything mm -hmm. to prove, nothing to lose. Um, look, Never, I would never write off any team, even Italy, Reese. I know you hate it, but uh, just I, 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 I've been proven wrong too many times. So I still stand by it'll be a great game. If I were to put money on it, okay, maybe it would fall the cheetah side. Of... Yeah, I would oh. also go cheetahs. Yeah, so, well, I mean, obviously, obviously, we still believes in Santa Claus. So, but, um... so, so, I mean, you guys are having on that the bookies have the, the cheaters as uh, 13, 14 points favorites, are quite heavy favorites. Mm -hmm. But I see the Bulls, though, they've, they've got Smith, Mapu, Hendricks in the midfield there. So, but again, it's so random. You've got all this experience in the midfield and then unknown Oaks out wide and then the pack. And this is what I'm saying, like, you see these names, you think, oh, they're going to give them a run. But but I, I think I agree with Wes. Um, I think Bulls, Bulls, Cheaters are not they're often close games. I think the Bulls are going to be up for this. I think Cheaters win, but I think the Bulls are going to give them a game. Sure. Uh, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Um, the Pumas and Krikos, uh, again, probably probably the highlight Why game. Of the I mean, how often do we get to say that? Uh, 20,000 people at the stadium, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my neck out here and probably say the Pumas by ten. Um, yeah. You read in the you read in the book, you Reza. You got your, <laughs> yeah, you got your sheets in front of it. He's just he's just seeing the, the handicap. Yeah, but that's the, that's what the bookies have as well. Started at ten. It's gone down. Money's come for the Greekers. Um, no. I would be on the Greekers plus ten there, but I think it's going to be a closer game than ten points. In my what opinion. can I what can I say? Forever sports hype me for a reason, um, <laughs> you know. And then um, Sharks Province. Um, I'm going to say that I think province province probably come out on top there, Rion. Yeah, province they they just happy now. The sharks also on under a bit of pressure. Yeah, hundred percent. So there goes and our summer games have been crappy. So yeah, absolutely. So there goes our preview uh, for for the Curry Cup, and now we move on to the big one. And uh, we we do apologize if you're still with us and listening to um, what was uh, an action-packed part of the weekend. But let's get on to the really exciting stuff. URC returns. I'm super excited, really stoked about it. Um, I'd like to start off with a couple. We won't highlight all the games. I want to start off with what I think are the hottest ones. Let's go with the Stormers Leinster game. Guys, top of the log clash. It is monstrous. Um, Let's get an initial reaction. I mean, both points. Okay, well, there are some differences here, though. We've got Leinster sitting with... Um, having played 15-115, Stormers having played 15-111. Uh, 
Um, although most people would probably say there's just not, not that much in it though. Anybody want to take a bite at it? Wiz, you want to go? Go Wiz, yeah. I mean, not much to say at that. I mean, again, just mouthwatering rugby. What more could you ask for? Um, again, like, you know, I haven't been able to watch much of it, but we'll catch the highlights when I can. And yeah, both sides looking just firing really well. Um, and so, oh, yeah, I, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. But I will, I will point out that... Uh, that this Leinster side um, are probably struggling a little bit more with in terms of their personal availability. Yeah. Um, obviously, Sexton is actually out with a groin injury, which which he got over the weekend. Um, out with a groin injury <laughs> in Italy on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on the other side of that, we've got a, a slew of returning players to the URC coming yeah. back from the Bocca Line. Sorry. Um, sorry to the Stormers um, from the Bocca Line camp. Um, from another yep. avenues and um, yeah what what do we say oh the side man they like a bunch of robots how do you beat them especially at home um if ever there was a side and a time to do it at their place it was now so i think the box would be the guys in the the box and the team would be very up for this they want to show the irish sides they're not gonna especially Leinster. it's not going to be a free run to the title this year they've yeah. They've had a bit of a, a coast. I think Leinster are playing most of the South African sides only now at the end of the season. So it's time to to put a bit of breaks on their on their run. Um, I think yeah. probably it'll be pretty even, and then the benches to come in. Where the the picture I have don't doesn't have the benches. Um, I think maybe the the Stormers bench should be better. Yeah, and it I is. Yeah, where, where it's going to be one or lost. I think that's where. The, the Stormers might sneak a close one. Yeah, I mean, you look at yeah. look at the Stormers side, and, and Chris, I'll, I'll I'll put it over to you in a second. Um, we've got you know Clayton Plomacky, Zaltzenberg, Dan Dupuisie, Damien Willemsen starting at inside centre, uh, Sonatla, Libok, Paul Devets, and the big one for me, um, the return of Dying Money, um, which is a big one. Uh, we've got Ben Jason Dixon at seven, Dion Fareed, Marvin Marvin Ori returns as well. Uh, Ruben van Heerden who's been quite a quite a performer. Um, and then we've got f- what is one hell of a front row in Francois Herbert, Joseph Weber, and Stephen Kitzel. Um, it's 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 a scary prospect for anyone. Do you think and do you think that that's that the return of those players makes a big difference? Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to say, I wanted to make the points before the team news. Uh, Leinster were 10 points favourite and on the back of the team news it's down to five and a half and we think it's going to wow. go to two so or obviously I mean you look yeah, you look at the team and wow. uh, Stormers obviously Stormers fan myself and the Leinster don't have all their top guns there um, there was also a, a heavy weather report initially as well lots of wind and rain the rain has left I think there's still going to be a lot of wind which unfortunately makes it a game Oof. of the book doesn't two different like halves it. right yeah. yeah, so um, that's, that's that's a worry. That's a lookout because I think, let's face it, South African team still, even though it's the names, we don't really like to go up there in the north, breezy, northern island fields. And we don't really set them alight, so let's be honest. Yeah. But this Stormers team, is this is, this is what I mean. I, I think I've got some stats for you. I think like when this, when this team plays, they don't lose. They haven't lost by more than seven in like over a year and a half. And when, especially when... Mahoba and Kitschoff and Fari and Willems are on the park. They like at an eighty percent 
strike rate. Like they're just so tough. I'm to glad beat. they're starting Furry. They're always bringing him off yeah. the bench um, to try yeah. and save. He, how, how is he? He's some guy, this guy. <laughs> hey, what a story. Little bulldog. Um, yeah. So I, I still worry because it is Leinster, but let's not be surprised now. I think a lot of people, I know I've spoke to my Leinster mates who are going to the game tomorrow. They, they're nervous. They're a little bit mm. nervous. Yeah. I hope Dweba has been practicing his darts. In I was going to, I, I, I sent a gift. <laughs> I sent a gift today. Good luck, Joe. Thoughts are with you. Yeah. <laughs> Best of time is when it's no wind, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. So yeah. maybe the wind will blow it straight. Maybe it's a good <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Look, uh, um, and, and Wes, uh, just to catch you up as well, I think um, we've got a, a Leinster side who fielded well, what they call and what everyone called a second string um, side last season. Um, where the, the Stormers barely got over the line against them. I think it was 2013, something along those lines. And and so they, I think they have a bit of a point to prove, Leinster, um, in saying, well, listen, actually, we could barely scrape against our second team back then. I think you're going to get a, a bit of a drubbing now. And I actually, my initial feeling is, I don't think Stormers get over the line here. Um, you know, I'd be keen to, yeah, I'd be keen to see what you think, especially in conditions favoring them. Surely we've got to respect them more now. I mean, we've been called out numerous times as box supporters and South African supporters that we can't seem to get past the the facade that we are unbeatable or our best teams are the best. I, I think we've got to, I think it's about time we maybe show a bit of humility, right? Jeez. I mean, yeah, like, I, 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 for me, that's just so foreign. Like, I think anyone is beatable on any day, you know? So, so I think if you go into any game without respect, you are asking to be beaten. I think that was something consistently I found when you'd write off teams or whatever because you thought it'd be a win or what, what, what. You got your ass handed to you. So, look, I'm, I'm all for an attitude of humility. Um, I don't like to talk before the game, even during the game. I'm very happy to talk after the game, like in terms of, you know, once, once everything's on the field and the result is done and we've achieved what we need to achieve, then we can talk all the smack we want. Um, but up until that whistle goes, like let's just put in the work like that's what's going to ultimately bring about the result not going in there swinging things in the wind but actually <laughs> bloody, you know, getting over the try line throwing uh, very, balls in the wind yeah very very pc there from our um, <laughs> yeah. our guest over here which we appreciate no need for it though we're all very uncultured here um, um but yeah I, i'd like to just also just just say one thing though is that um i'm not saying that we should be be writing the storm as off necessarily um, just that they maybe deserve a bit more of our backing than we think. Um, and Matthew Dixon I, I agree, is saying the URC SA teams are going to win. Well, the line's getting dragged in the over here. I don't know what's um, going on. Matty Dixon, you are exactly what I was talking about, buddy. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, I'm not entirely sure we get over the line. I hope we do. Um, and let's see what happens here. Uh, sorry, Chris, I think it was you. No, yeah, I was just saying, I agree with you. Like, like on paper, we should win, but I just, I've, I, I got burnt badly in the when it was the rainbow, rainbow, rainbow Cup when we went there and I had my South African hat on. The Caps were like 27 and we got nailed. So I'm very hesitant, even with our best teams. I just, I worry about our mindsets when we go over there and I, yeah. they are definitely going to be up for it, no matter what team they're putting up there. I agree with you. Leinster going to win. That's a three-point win to Leinster. 
but maybe we get get lucky. I don't know. All right, all right. So, uh, yeah, um, so glad someone who agrees with me for once. Goodness, it's so nice. <laughs> it's so nice not having. I Steve get that. Yeah. Get to back you up there, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I want to move on to for me and as a as a Lions supporter, move on to what I think is going to be a crucial. Oh, what well, a change of mind! I changed my mind. You what Lions? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. We've got a we've got a Lions vs Benetton game. Uh, both teams have played 15 games. The Lions with seven wins. Uh, Benetton with eight. Uh, there's really not too much in it between them uh, on paper, uh, necessarily. I think that most people are probably leaning the way of Benetton, and, and uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm almost obviously not too surprised by that. The Lions have not been setting the world alight, and I really like their, their team on paper. I just, I don't, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just don't back them right now. Um, Rion, am I? Am I there's, am a, I there's a stat that the team that gives us up the most post-contact meters in the ERC is the Lions. They give up four meters per tackle that they make, which is wow. suicide. Yeah. <laughs> well, every time they hit, they fall down and let the guy run over them. Um, that's been the issue. It hasn't been fixed. And Benetton, as far as I know, they are not resting their Italy players. Most of them are straight back in for this week. So yeah. it's going to be a long game for the Lions, I think. Uh, yeah. If it was at Ellis Park, uh, we might talk, but Benetton in Treviso with most of their good players back, uh, I think it's a Benetton easy one, that one. Yeah, and, and a pity about that, to be very honest. Um, mm. I wish I could say better things for the Lions right now, and, and hopefully we come back next week and we have better things to say. Um, so to run through some of the other fixtures, which I'm not really too excited about, we've got uh, Zebra um, versus Cardiff, which is a bottom of the table scrap. Um, at the moment, and, and well, sorry, not not I shouldn't sorry, the Cardiff are not sitting tenth. Let me take that back. But to read you some stats here, Zebra have played fifteen games, um, zero wins, uh, with a points difference of minus three, minus three hundred and six. Um, and that's to me, that's just ridiculous numbers, and that's something we can't be putting up. And we had this chat already about Italy, um, the Six Nations, and. Um, yeah, <laughs> I throw my hands up and I say, point proven, boys. Um, come at me. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'm going to hold my tongue a little bit. You can, someone else can say. God, if we win. But they also don't have their players. So, instead of 100, they'll win by 70. Gotcha. No, the, again, the Zebra and Bennett, Bennett and Spent more so definitely than Zebra are, are playing a lot better. But it's again, I've, again, I've been in my punting circles. A lot of people punt the Italian sides. Uh, I can't do it. I, I don't put, I don't give my money to Italian sides. I can't trust them at all. And I don't, and I won't. So I, I don't even, they're not a game I, was, I, get, I don't even watch a lot of their games, even when they're best African teams. Yeah. Lovely, and there's obviously no reason for it. Um, Wes, I'd like to chat to you a little bit about this. Um, you, have, you have a bit of experience up in the UK, and, and maybe you have some some mates who might have talked to you over the years about it. Um, we've got an Ospreys versus Dragons game, which is truly a, a bottom feeder um, game. Um, Ospreys and, and Dragons are both sitting in the bottom four of the competition with, um, I think, four and three wins between them. Um, and unfortunately, if I look at the table here, we've got in 13th, 14th, 15th place, three Welsh guys, um, and barring Cardiff who are in 10th, um, all doing really poorly. And it's indicative of, of Wales um, rugby at the moment in general. But 
Jeez. I mean, what, what's, honestly, if you if you had access to it, you're in Botswana right now, so you probably don't. But would you watch this game? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> that probably says it all, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, so I think, I think it's really sad that that's the case. And that, as you said, the stats is really a shame about the Welsh sides being in the bottom, you know, so that many... Um, but it, it it needs to it needs to get fixed because you know the the, the Welsh are such a, a pride people. Um, I've been fortunate enough to spend some time there, and, and you just go into these villages and they you know eat, sleep, breathe rugby, and it's just part of who they are, culture, this, that, the next. So it's a real shame and a disservice to the the nation that it's in the state it is at the moment. And so again, the club sides need to start to getting more, can speak about funding and better. And I think that's what's happening at the moment. You know, the talks with the Welsh Union and everything. So hopefully that, that gets up and then, yeah, I'll start watching those games. Um, but it's just hopefully for them and, and their well-being and, and the, the nation's well-being, you know, I, I, we speak about, I mean, we know it. We know when the box lose or play poorly or whatever, it's like the week is ruined. The weekend's stuffed, the week is ruined <laughs> until we rectify it. And it's the same for these Oaks. And um, yeah, so, so hopefully they can get that sorted. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a pity. Um, I believe Rion and Chris have, have, you know, we've we've said our part on this um, in previously, and so um, I. One thing I will say is I think that there's maybe some talks over the coming years about a reduction in unions, which I, I believe one of somebody raised um, in the previous weeks um, for them. Uh, I think perhaps they need to reduce the number of teams that they have competing at this level and and just just merge together. Um, but something to consider. Something to consider. I agree. And, and I'm, I'm sure they said there's going to be a civil war if that happens. I'm sure yeah. they're going to have fallouts there. Yeah. Look, uh, it's on practically speaking, sure. Um, in, uh, well, yeah, in reality, perhaps maybe not. Um, we've got a Connacht versus Edinburgh game. Um, I think Connacht probably take this, in my opinion, pretty comfortably. Um, I don't know. Are we are we expecting any upsets there? Nope. Connacht should take that one easily. Um, Edinburgh have let me down. I thought they would be much better this year mm. than they've been. Um, they've they've really let me down. I think Connacht should take that. They didn't lose a bunch of guys. Aki and Hansen will probably not play, mm. but the rest of their first choice guys should be there. And I see they signed Cordero today as well, so another little fast winger there. Don't know how long before he's playing for Ireland as well. Uh, so yeah, should be an easy one for Connor get the dog track. Lovely. Um, and we've got a further game. Uh, we've got the Glasgow Warriors and Munster both sitting uh, four and five at the moment. Barely anything in between them. I think that's probably another game to watch for the weekend, uh, barring the Stormers Leinster game. Um, yeah, Chris, where, what are we saying there? I'm sure. Yeah, if, yeah. Um, I don't know if you have the odds on you, but I'm sure there can't be much yeah. in it. No, that, no, this one you got a little bit wrong. The bookies are favouring Munster quite a bit. Uh, yeah, Munster yeah. 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 Um, yeah, Man yeah, for home form, I, as a better, it's a, it's a trend I've done, so I had some success. Munster at home are solid. They put in 30, 40 points most games against any opposition. Um, like, Same like, man. Same is back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, and like Edinburgh, like Connacht as well, home team, solid Edinburgh. Glasgow, these teams are very good at home to back, but away from home, they could be anything. So you, the, it's a solid, it's a solid form line to back Munster. I think Munster at home. I think it. I, I have actually called. I think that it'll be a closer game, but 
but Munster will win between seven and ten. All right. Well, there we go. Um, yeah, perhaps um, perhaps an interesting one to watch there. Um, so that's the weekends the weekends URC games in a nutshell, and uh, obviously the pick of them being the Stormers game. I'd like to talk a little bit about um, about the Sharks who. After, let me just see who I think I've missed. They're playing the Scarlets. Scarlets. So that should yeah. be should be in theory um, a decent win for them. Uh, um, although they've they've raised some they've raised some surprises of late. So let me just bite my tongue a little bit. Okay. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think Sharks Sharks at full strength and the, before COVID when they were winning Super Eight, Sharks at full strength are actually a top four side could compete but as soon as they don't have they're not the top they don't have the top players they they disappear into you know, they just go it's weird it's weird so it's, 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 it just depends what team they put out really i don't they're, know you, you, you say that uh, i've seen i've seen the sharks start kind of chuck it with with the biggest names that they have and um yeah, I think I'm not saying that that's going to happen this time, but I've seen it happen before. I, I bet yeah, shocks are difficult to un, to understand yeah. these guys. <laughs> no, they, they're tough. I mean, remember they was yeah. a Cardiff that absolutely trounced them at Kings Park, and then they went and had, yeah, yeah, and then they went and had a really good win. I can't remember who it was. They beat a massive like three weeks later. They, so they just who knows. <laughs> All right, so Wes, um, let me let me get your thoughts on this. I don't know if you might have seen the news because obviously you're quite far away there. But the big news coming out is that Vincent Koch has been uh, picked up by the Sharks, um, which is a huge boon for South African rugby. What a pickup! Um, and it's been it's been a bit of a weird reaction because teams like the Stormers, the Sharks, and the Bulls have picked up a number of of international players of extreme quality. Who had them? lured them back to South Africa or alternatively kept them here, um, which has not been the growing trend for a long time. Um, Cock is still a massive name. He's still in the absolute prime of his career. Um, and so that's a huge pickup. The Sharks, perhaps, arguably, um, not arguably, actually, they haven't. They haven't put out the results expected of a team that's been so heavily invested in. Um, one, what's your reaction to to Cock as a pickup? And, and two, um, why is it that South Africans are not quite so excited about the fact that we're actually able to retain our talent? Uh, it seems to have actually made us, in a sense, not worse, but it's, it's, it seems to be a bit like, like we can't seem to get all these superstars together in one team anymore. Yeah, so let's start with the first thing. My, my reaction to that news is, is one of like joy because yeah, I, I really don't like it. I get it and I respect it and totally understandable when, when Oaks go overseas because at the end of the day, you know, money talks and they've got to provide for themselves and families. And you did it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Unfortunately, yeah. Was it, look, I mean, and maybe there it was because it was just so saturated here, but absolutely right. No, fair enough. But, um, but if we can get our boys back uh to be playing for our local sides um you know sort of the south african sides i think i don't know that just fills some part of me like some south african pride part you know and it's just fantastic to see them here i think it also helps like just i don't know if we all we all playing the same not style of rugby because obviously all the south african teams will have different styles but it's still south african rugby and then for me that just creates a greater cohesion when we get into the box as opposed to potentially us 
being spread out all over the place and playing all these different styles. Now we can maybe use some of that, but I don't know. I just, I really like it when, when we've got sort of our boys back at home and we've got these, you know, just players, as you said, in the prime of their careers um, and playing playing for local sides. In terms of the reaction, um, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know why that seems to be um, the way it is. It's kind of a weird one, actually. Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of strange. Um, my reaction is has been, I, I I look at the side and I go, holy holy hell! Like what? I mean, what is going on at the Sharks? Um, and the Bulls have similar recorded reaction. I think the Storm is perhaps are doing better business locally um, as well as picking up internationally. But between the Bulls and the Sharks, I'm like, one fantastic for them. They've got all this money coming in and they're using it um, to pick up big names. I I hope that it doesn't come at the cost of grassroots level development, uh, one, um, and two, I hope that they're able to actually use these big names. I feel like they're so used to playing without them um, that it's not quite translating yet. Um, they will get used to it. But I also worry that we've got, you know, our English Premier team, like Les Tigers and all those kind of guys, you look at them these days and there's like hardly any English players um, in them. They're just saturated with foreigners. Um, and because they're trying to pick up the best in the world. I wonder if when we start doing the same thing, even though they are our boykies and they are locals and we're bringing them back, when you pick up the best in the world, are you not just saying to everyone, well, we've got the money to do it, stuff everything else, we don't need to develop our own our own guys anymore. Um, and then isn't that just going to restart the cycle of the guys who are sitting below them just going, well, we'll look somewhere else for guys who actually want to pick us up. Um, Rion, Chris, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Well, Carlo Sadi and Thomas Toy left as a yeah. swap for Koch. So, <laughs> so they'll be gone now getting developed somewhere else. And Koch, I mean, Koch is 33, Toy is 27. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so what? Well, in the uh, long term, Koch is worse because you're going to lose him after a couple of years probably to retirement. But the other side of the coin is uh, a prop these days can go to 35, 36 years old. He might not be in the box plan anymore, so they'll get a lot more out of him than they would Thomas Detoy, um, who's probably going to be with the box a lot more now. So they probably did their math and decided, no, we want someone we can play more often. Koch might, after the World Cup, not go to the box anymore, and then we can use him properly for two to three years. That might be the call they, they were making in the boardroom. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But just on a, on a feeling though, are we, I don't want to say that it's a terrible thing that we're spending our money, but I mean, I, I, I kind of enjoyed seeing the new up and coming names and I know everyone moaned like, oh, you know, Andre Polo left in his prime and all these folks left and whatever. And I was like, you know, initially it kind of sucks. And then you see a new talent come in and just, you know, tear up the scene and he's the next biggest thing on the thing. I kind of enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I I wonder if it's going to hurt our development in the long run. No, are you talking about, are you talking about Koch going to the Sharks? Not, not, not Koch, not Koch necessarily. Just in yeah, general. Just in, in general. general. The, the, yeah. fact that we're, the fact that we're no longer losing players, we're, we're bringing back players. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's a tough one. I mean, you can't buy experience and quality, you, buy, you are buying, but you can't substitute that, you know, and I think they will add value. and. If that's how the sharks yeah, want to roll, yeah. which it looks yeah. looks like they're going. But look, you know what I mean. But then the thing is, look, look what Jack White when he brought all the veterans back to the Bulls. Did that help? 
I think he should have. They probably should have been blood in the youngsters. If you look, if you look at yeah, it, they, the enough, they made the final, yeah. But now they all left again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, prove, prove me wrong at the end of the season when we've, you know, possibly the Bulls and the Sharks are sitting there competing. Um, but yeah, I, it's just a feeling that I have. I hope I'm proven wrong. I see Matthew. Dixon. Wait till you see. We we're still not even getting revenue share from the Irk. Once the money yeah. starts coming in, you'll see uh, yeah. a bit more coming in. Correct. We're only getting money from the Irk from next year. Right now, we're paying to be in the Irk, so it's going to change even more. Uh, I see Matthew Dixon in the comments saying, "I think the pipeline is still going to go strong." I agree with you. I do think the pipeline is going strong. I just wonder if they're going to be blocked out um, by the players who, the senior players who've been brought back from overseas. That's, well, that's really my concern. But remember last week we spoke about the value of the Curry Cup and that's why I said that there is value in the Curry Cup. We need that mm. second tier competition. Uh, I just I worry about calling the Curry Cup because it's devalued the name of that beautiful competition. But that competition for these guys needs to be there and it needs to be strong. And that's where I don't know why they made it now. Why didn't they do it later in the year? Why is the Curry Cup running? Concurrent? Yeah, that's what I thought. Why did they just put it in its original dates at the yeah. middle of the year? Why, I don't understand no. why they have to do it now. You know, call yeah. it the Vodacom Cup again or something now or whatever. Right. But yeah. right. So as a final as a final chat talking point, um, and I, I'm, I don't know, again, I don't know Wiz, if you've heard about this. Um, I'll let, I actually want Rion to, to explain it to us a little bit because I've also only seen the headlines. Um, Rion, walk us through this proposal for the north-south um, dog. Even <laughs> Does anyone actually know what the hell they're trying to do? It comes up every year. There's a World Cup. They want some world league <laughs> so, to align. Yeah, yeah. So I think basically, I think it's one game home and away. So that it won't be a three-match tour to one country. They'll play Australia, New Zealand through the summer, our summer. And then we'll go back and do the reverse there. And it'll end up the top two. There'll be two pools. The top two are going to play a final. Woohoo, Twickenham, raise a trophy. We're all happy. Mm. And I think that's that's what the format's going to be, like in every two-year cycle in between World Cups. So who do you, um, I'm going to take a venture and probably say that this is something that's uh, that the boys in New Zealand and Australia are, are proposing because their revenue is struggling without us in Super Rugby. Just my thoughts. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's a money thing, isn't it? That's what yeah, it, it sounds like a money thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Wiz, Wiz, if uh, if I could ask you, would you would you love to see? And I I know it's something that's been talked about forever, but we just don't see enough of it. Barbarians is an example, but there used to be a World Eleven type of game. Um, I would love to see a, a South mix and a North mix. One one off game, maybe every two years or whatever the case is, chucking the best coaches in the world to give them a, a session, put it at the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, it sounds like an awesome idea, but definitely not a one off. Do it like a three game series, like a Lions tour or something, where you've got this all star team and you've got the three games and you make it a bit interesting, or even two if you want to do that. But what I mean, it would be fantastic. I don't know where you slotted in you know you said is it end of season is it every end of second season or do you do it like alliance to every four years or something but uh, yes it would be phenomenal to to see some of the the southern boys mixing together the northern boys mixing together oh, and going cool, head yeah. to head yeah yeah i i agree i think it'll be cool yeah very cool so guys um we've unfortunately been going for just over an hour and a half and uh, we thank everyone who's been with us uh, for the entire duration uh wes we would like to thank you for hopping on the show and, and giving us a little bit of insight into 
um, into American rugby. And I would love to have you back sometime and just get a really get deeper into it because we've only really scratched the surface about what we want to know. Yeah, um, and uh, Rion, Chris, thank you again for your time. Oh, sorry, I, I actually forgot to cover a segment here. My apologies. Yeah, before we yeah. finish, before we finish off your yeah. um, <laughs> Chris, as usual, um, yeah. Chris, would you run us through some of the big talking points on odds for the weekend? Um, yeah, as I was saying, unfortunately, when we go live, a lot of odds aren't published, and you get some for Friday, Friday games, but not many for Saturday and Sunday. Unfortunately, we've got a lot of rugby. So I was definitely would be able to propose more bets than I would have uh, that I'm doing now. But I have dug out another treble for you guys um, for the weekend. Um, starting tomorrow, uh, Waratahs versus Chiefs. Um, the line points are at 52 and a half, which I think is quite low in my opinion. I, I would have capped it at 56. So again, for the guys you are, are punting a bit of money on games, you know, what you need to do is if you need to cap yourself, be a capper as well. So you need to take on the bookie. So the bookie says it's 52 and you say it's, you think it's going to be 56. Then you you thinking that the bookies are four points short and your bet will be over 52, you know? So um, that's how you try play the bookies. So for me, 46 is a low mark. It's 10 points less than what I think the game's going to go quite confidently. So that will be a leg. Um, then I've also got, tomorrow also got the Griquas. Like I said, the handicap is 10. Let's move down to eight. So the money is coming for Griquas. And I think Griquas keep this within 10 points. So I'm, again, the line points is at 10 for even money or a little bit less than even to, for bookies take it or stake. But I'm taking more points for Griquas to 17 and a half as another leg. So it's plus 17 and a half Griquas points with Waratahs and Chiefs over 46. And then to end off the treble, Highlanders at home against the Drua. I just think Highlanders, yes, have been poor, but I don't think they, they did all right. They did the job all right against Force last week. I don't see the Drua rocking up there and winning. I think the Highlanders have enough, improved enough. I just just think those these Fijian teams, it's great to watch and great to see. I just don't think they're still really good enough to come to New Zealand teams and win. So I think Highlanders should, should win that by 10 more. And that treble will give us a two and a half, two point five three treble. Very, to, don't, I don't, as I said to you guys and the guys on the on the chat, if you are following, I mean, obviously tail if you wish, follow these. But obviously, it's also to guide you. I don't want to give bets just for the sake of it. So if I feel strongly, I'll give them. So I'm quite, but I'm very, very confident that this treble is another nice runner. We got the treble last week at ten, at two point seven or two two point six. So this is a similar one. So let's hope one this brings it home. And I think I just also, just in terms of betting, so we talk about stake. It's also important how much you bet. Um, we talk about stake units. And one stake can be one rand to somebody or a hundred or a thousand, whatever it is that you, how much any money you have to to throw or to bet you go expect to lose, right? You bet responsibly, like don't bet more than you, you can afford. Um, but I, at the moment, is it's a one unit stake. So if your unit's 10 Rand, put a 10 Rand on it. If it's 100, put 100 on it. Um, and as we go through the weeks and we build this up, we'll keep a record. We'll start playing around with, with bigger odds and bigger units. But for now, let's get into it and build a winning record, build some, some cash, and then we can, we can see how we go. 
Yeah, guys, um, thank you very much, Chris. We always appreciate your expertise on, on that forum. And, and um, yeah, guys, if, you, if you're interested, follow Chris along. Like he said, from, for, for weeks coming, we will be keeping a record and putting up a little table as well just to make it easier for you guys to follow so you don't have to keep re-listening to it. You can actually just pause and, and see what bets that, uh, that Chris has put up for the week. Um, and so hop on to Bet.coza, and, and thank you to Bet.coza as well for, for the sponsorship. Um, Boys, as I said, a very long one today. Thank you to everyone who's listening on whatever forum. Uh, we're very happy to announce that we will be adding every single Fan Forum show um, in podcast format to all the major platforms, um, especially like Spotify and so on. Um, yeah, we've uh, fantastic, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, Rian, Chris, we will see you again next week. Yes. Uh, we will be joined again by Stevie P. Uh. Um, unfortunately, uh, if, if <laughs> no, jokes. We love, we love Stevie P and we're, we're very excited to see you. <laughs> Um, he's taking a well-deserved rest in the Kruger. Um, and Wes, again, thank you very much for your time. Um, we will see you again as well. Until next time, gents, have a great weekend. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Cheers, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thanks. <laughs>